Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I miss you all. Um, it's not ideal to preach here, but I do like sending a message out for us to gather around. Today I want to talk about something that you're not supposed to talk about in church. Election. Being chosen by God. We just like to move right on from that idea. And the problem, of course, if you know, is that you can't get through Scripture without facing election or God's chosen acts everywhere in Scripture. So you just go back to the way Scripture opens up for us with the selection, the choosing of Abel's sacrifice over Cain's, or Noah chosen from these other siblings and the other uh, humans at the time, Abraham chosen from all the nations, Jacob chosen above Esau, Joseph chosen above his brothers, David, and so on. There's this election of God of selecting people for himself. He tells Israel, you are my treasured possession, my chosen ones, my child Jacob, Israel. So we just face this all throughout scripture. Think of this um, Jesus' own words in the Gospels. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Or Paul in his letter to the Ephesians and other places. For we have been chosen from before the foundation of the world that we might be holy and blameless in Christ. God's electing just all the way through Scripture. So we can't avoid it. We have to talk about it. So what does it mean? And this is just um, a narrow thought on it. This won't um, encapsulate everything about election, but it'll get at the heart of it, I think. Uh, we looked already here. It comes all the way through Scripture. God's choosing some people for himself and by implication, not others. And we get this major moment in Abraham's life. Ten chapters of the drawing out of the election of Abraham. And by Abraham, that's the father of the whole nation of Israel. And God meets with Abraham seven times to promise him the blessings of that choosing, of that covenant. He's going to make one with Abraham. And as that seven visitations from God unfold, each time we learn more about what the blessing means. Two weeks ago in our reading, these three visitors came to Abraham, and they say to, him, they say to one another, should we tell Abraham what we're about to do is to make him a great nation to do justice and righteousness among all the families of the earth. Now, the election is unto something. It's for something. It's for something global. And now we're in chapter 22, and we're at the heart of the last visitation from God, the seventh one. Uh, Abraham has finally gained the child that's been promised for 30 years or 40 years. And now Isaac may be 30 or 40 years old. So we're 70 years after that moment when God first came to him and promised him something. And then God says, take that child that I promised up on a mountain and sacrifice him. The Akedah, the binding of Isaac in Jewish tradition, the strange passage that God would tell a father to sacrifice his only son that he waited decades and decades for. But here's what we get in this moment. This is like the final moment of the unfolding of being chosen, of election. Abraham, give up the promise. It's essentially what God says. I've promised this great thing to you, this blessing, and now I want to know if you're willing to let it go. In other words, what Israel and what Abraham learn in this moment is that being chosen isn't about a life of full of manifold blessings. Those will come. That's a part of the promise. 
But for us, being chosen means we are selected to give up our life and the very things we most desire, the things we hold most dear. Abraham, give away your beloved child. That's exactly what he does. And God says, now I know that you fear me because you did not withhold your son, your only son, Isaac. It's when uh, Abraham is willing to give up what he cherishes that he becomes worthy of being chosen, that he becomes able to be the blessing he is supposed to be to the world. What Israel is supposed to do in going out. We see this now in our New Testament reading. This is Israel's task all along to be this chosen people. And when we open the New Testament, we should already see echoes of this everywhere. Father gives away his only son, his son, Jesus. Just as Abraham is asked to do for his son, the father of glory, the father of lights, gives up his only son to show his binding to the covenant with us, that he'll give up what he most cherishes, that he might gain the blessing of promise for us. The son himself then turns around and gives away his life for the people, for the glory of the Father. That election we see as it unfolds is about giving away life. And that's how this section of the gospel opens for us in Matthew 10. Jesus has just come from all of Matthew 10. He's talking about what it means to be a disciple, and he promises suffering. And then there's consolation. You know, don't worry. Don't the birds of the air, does not God clothe them? So don't worry. Your heavenly Father will care for you. The disciples have been chosen, and now he says, now if you're my disciple, you cannot follow me if you don't take up your cross. You cannot follow me if you do not lose your life. To be chosen by Jesus means to be selected to give away your life, to be a blessing to the world. That's the Christian promise. I'm reading now in these um, uh, comments about churches and worries about different denominations. If having gone to Zoom and gone home, if when we're allowed to gather again, uh, God be gracious, um, sometime in the future, will people come back to church? Or will this just fall into the list of hobbies like yoga and music and cycling? Will we know that we were chosen to give our life for a community, called as a body? The election is always a corporate body, not just individual. Will we come back and know our calling that we were chosen to give our life away? Or will church become some of those non-essential things that we add to a list? That's what Jesus puts before us today. You've been called. You've been elected to follow him. It is a great privilege, but it comes with great demands. The passage turns after this section where Jesus calls us to give our life away, and he says, Blessed is the one who receives a prophet in my name, for he receives me. Blessed is the one who gives one of these little children a cup of cold water. What's he talking about there? Well, if you go back, even you're thinking about this idea that he's calling disciples to give their life away, he's telling the church, blessed are you if you receive a prophet who goes out to proclaim the good news of God's election in Christ. Bless the missionaries, bless the pastors is what he's saying for they've given up their life so that the, they may be heralds of good news. Before I became a pastor, I was a great pastor critic. Bad sermons, long sermons, poorly organized, bad leadership. 
When the bishops came and laid hands on me, it was the most humbling and the most um, embarrassing or um, exposed moment of my life to realize now somebody was saying, you are a herald of the gospel. And in a moment, I realized what all these pastors had given their life for, to be heralds of good news, to be the first in the community to say, I will give my life away, to bear the yoke of Christ's cross in the community and to know how imperfectly you would do it. And so Jesus is trying to encourage a community to say, receive one another, encourage and help one another. The cup of cold water means the motive, the love that goes for those who bear the good news of the gospel so that it might go out to the nations. Help one another in giving your lives away. It's almost certain as we look at when Matthew wrote this gospel, he wrote it long after Jesus' death, and he probably wrote it very near, probably a little after, the date when Paul and Peter were both killed in Rome. He's not speaking in metaphor when he says, give your life away. He well knows that Paul and Peter are in prison, and probably he knows they've been killed for the sake of the gospel, to give their life away so that they might be heralds of good news. That's our challenge for today. Christ looks at us and he presents Abraham to us as a mirror, to say, what have you done with your calling and election? Have you given your life so that we may gain it? Amen.